Welcome to the Rev Thinking Podcast, the creative and business minds behind the world's best studios in motion, production, and sound. Here we believe the best way to deal with the future is to create it. I'm Joel Pilger. So if you're a motion designer who runs your own small studio, why in the world would you sign up to run a conference? Why would you go to all the trouble and all of the time and energy and complexity of hosting an annual event where other people in the motion industry come together every year to learn, to hang out, to connect, to hear from great speakers? Well, we're going to hear from Mark at Camp MoGraph answer that question today because Mark runs his own studio called Profanity Creative. He's been very active as a freelancer running his studio. He also runs Monday Meeting, which is a weekly call where freelancers from all around the world get together and connect and discuss. But Mark also is co-founder of Camp MoGraph. Now, what is Camp MoGraph? Well, we're going to just in this episode explore the origin, the evolution, how has it grown over the years? Like, how did it start? Where is it today? Now, a little bit about the camp. It fosters inclusivity. It promotes an open dialogue amongst attendees and speakers. There's no hierarchy, right? Everyone's in this together. It started out as a passion project, but the event has evolved and transformed into really a business today. So it's created a lot of challenges because imagine if you were running a business as well as a conference, you got to balance time and all the commitments and all the complexities. So why does Mark do this? It sounds like a recipe for just working yourself to death, but you're going to hear a lot of cool reasons behind why Mark is doing this and what the future of Camp MoGraph is. And really, why is it surprisingly awesome? And where is he going to take it? Where is it going from here? Will he someday turn Camp MoGraph into a full-time business or keep it maybe small and manageable? You'll get to hear Mark weigh those pros and cons in this conversation. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Mark about Camp MoGraph. Okay, Mark, I've got some yes, no questions for you. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So you and Matt Milstead are both creatives, right? Meaning mm -hmm. you're artists. You both each run like a business studio of your own, yes? Yes, for the most part. Okay. Yep. The two of you also run this thing called Camp MoGraph. Yeah. Okay. Are you crazy? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the reason I, I phrase it that way is I've been to Camp MoGraph twice now, right? The most, most recent ones. That is such a beast of an undertaking, right? Because mm -hmm. I could just say, it was great. It was awesome. It was wonderful. And it was. But yeah, do you ever look at what you're doing with this effort and think, what? We're crazy. We're nuts. Why do we keep doing this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're actually thinking about that a lot now <laughs> because the event has been going for, uh, we're going into our fifth year now, which is crazy to think too um but yeah you know each year it just it it seems to get bigger and better and more creative and you know um what started as a little side gig personal project has really started to shape into its own beast and uh yeah so a lot of exciting things going on there but it's also you know somewhat a tough balance between running that 
on the side and just focusing right. on our actual, you know, business of, uh, of animation work. Was the, um, like when it first started, give us a sense of maybe whatever, I guess this was more than five years ago because there was some time of like the idea came up and then the first one came together. What was like the initial genesis? What did that first Camp MoGraph look like? Yeah, well, I'll even take a, a step further back and give you a little bit of the the history of how the whole idea came to be, too. Um, I grew up in Vermont, and uh, my wife is from Maine, and we were driving home from Maine back to Vermont one day in the fall years ago. And, of course, I'm driving, and everyone in the car is sleeping, so I'm there just daydreaming as we're driving. And uh, we went by this lake that had a bunch of houses on it, or little cabins, it seemed like. And kind of occurred to me, well, this might be fun to get some motion designers together and like, you know, go fishing, have a campfire, go on, you know, a canoe and just kind of hang out, talk shop, you know, whatever, uh, whatever we'd want to do. And about a week or so later, I went to the Half Res Conference in Chicago, which is run by the C4D uh, Chicago group there. And I stayed with Matt and Dave from MoGraph.com. And then there were some other artists there, like Ryan Summers was there. He dropped in for a bit. And this was all like before the event even happened there. Uh, we were all just hanging out in Airbnb, eating pizza and whatnot. <laughs> and I brought up the idea of, uh, of this camp thing or, or like this idea of getting together off the grid kind of without any computers and see if people would be into that. And actually, Liam Clisham was there, too, because he was one of the mm -hmm. four original founders of it. He uh, and everyone was like, this sounds great. We should make an event and have a bunch of people. And my eyes kind of lit up like, uh, what? Because I'm not an event director, nor is really anyone else. But, you know, I think we have the skills to, you know, pull something together. So I said, if they were down to help, like I'm down to make this an event. So. That was in the that was in September of 2018, I think, and pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, and so you know, we decided to host our first Camp MoGraph in October of 2019 here in Vermont. For those who aren't all familiar with Vermont, it's hit or miss. It could be absolutely gorgeous that time of year and like relatively warm, say you know like mid 50s, 60s Fahrenheit, or it could be really cold. And of course we got the ladder, you know, we had 40 degrees and kind of rain. We rented a really run. I don't want to say run down. It wasn't run down. It was, um, it was very rustic, rustic and nostalgic, if you will. So no, <laughs> no heat in the cabins, no insulation in the cabins. Uh, it was very what? raw. It was very raw. So a lot of people. <laughs> We're introduced to Camp MoGraph through this crazy, this crazy experience. But what happened was after all said and done, people had a blast. They loved it. And, you know, looking back on it, it's almost a, a blessing in disguise that the weather was so bad because it was it was a commonality and it was like a bonding moment for all of us there. And. You know, we had, you know, uh, we had Ryan Summers as a fireside chat. We had uh, Barton Damer and Aaron Sarofsky and everyone's sleeping in these bunk beds just just like every other camper there. So it really just kind of like leveled the playing field or, you know, it was very there was no hierarchy. 
really. And that was something that I had never really experienced through all the conferences and events I had been because a lot of times I've, you know, I would go to these conferences in the, the presenters or the keynotes are kind of put up on this pedestal. Right. And it's, you almost feel a bit nervous, like going to talk to them to say hi. And I just wanted to like get rid of all that at an event and just make it kind of a hangout, low stakes and allow that space to be created where real conversations could happen. Right. And by removing ourselves from like the everyday kind of run of the mill behind a computer screen or in a city or like I wanted just to do something completely different than anything I had experienced in our industry. And so we essentially just tried to flip it on its head and uh, everyone seemed to really resonate with it. So it couldn't get much worse in terms of weather and conditions and stuff. And if people had a blast with that, then, you know, all the better. Um, So only up from there. (laughs) I'm chuckling because let's say the weather wasn't exactly ideal in Colorado either here just a couple of months ago, right? Yes. And you're reminding me of, there was a book that Sebastian Junger, I guess is how his name is pronounced, wrote um, called Tribe, where Mm -hmm. the summary says, there's this thing for many people where war feels better than peace and hardship can turn out to be a great blessing. And disasters are sometimes remembered more fondly than weddings or tropical vacations. Mm. So that's Camp MoGraph. So now... Now you know how to plan your your future MoGraph locations, right? Just make sure that it's cold, wet, dreary, <laughs> rustic, yeah. right? Yeah. Nostalgic. Yeah. I mean, it's all part of the experience. It really is. We're all in solidarity yes. together. Um, but no, I love that. I mean, I love certainly that. I don't know. That's It is a very different thing to not have a bunch of guests and speakers up on these pedestals, like literally up on stages right. where we are literally looking up from the floor to them. Now, let me ask this practical question. Why is this not online? Mm, That's a great question. And I think, you know, what I've seen recently are are a lot of conferences are, you know, essentially offering streaming now and, or you could catch all the the talks or workshops, you know, later online, like Adobe Max is really good at doing that stuff. But it's a conscious effort of ours not to film anything. And part of that is because I personally feel that if things are being filmed and will be shown later or streamed live, it really makes people take a pause before they raise their hand and want to get involved in a discussion. We There's a lot of people in our industry that are introverts or just a little shy or don't want to get in front of all these people and ask a question. So knowing that nothing is really making it outside of that group you're currently in, I think gives the people that hopefully that confidence and that safe space to ask questions and ask hard questions. Because I think one thing that I've noticed a lot of other conferences do is they will have some great programming about a lot of stuff. But a lot of it too comes back to software or you know how to use this new renderer feature you know, I'm just thinking of NABs and stuff like that. But I think what makes camp different is it's more about the connections and the network and the conversations you have than anything else. And I think we all know and resonate with that with other conferences because that's the hangout you get to have after the conference. 
those are the things you remember about some of those conferences are just like, you know, the beer you have with someone or the coffee you grabbed in the morning with someone. And I think providing that and having that as like a pillar of our event is something that makes us different. And I hope makes us somewhat unique because we create that space, more space than normal to have those conversations. Well, I can say from being in the fray, right, in the uh, small mass of humanity that is <laughs> Camp MoGraph, that there is a, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say rabid, but there's like a very passionate <laughs> tribe mm-hmm. of people who are like there for that experience. They're all in. They're all in solidarity together, right? We're all like eating the food together and having that camp experience and all that. Yep. Um, so it's working right on that level. Yeah. So for anyone who might be listening that is like, uh, maybe I'm not really sure what that is, or maybe I've heard about what it is. If you don't mind, let's do a bit of a reset. Yeah. First of all, you might want to mention Matt and his part, but mm-hmm. who is Mark? Tell us about you and your business and about Matt and his business. And mm-hmm. then I want to kind of hear the, like the, the log line on Camp MoGraph. Yeah, my, I started uh, my own little studio called Profanity Creative, and we focus on a 3D product visualization for the outdoor and lifestyle industries. So a lot of the brands I work with, you know, bike brands, snowboard brands, outdoor brands like that. And that's where my history is rooted. You know, again, growing up in Vermont, being outside, we have very long winters. So if you're inside all winter, you're going to hate life. So you got to get out and you know, whether you're skiing, snowboarding, snowshoeing, dog sledding, I don't know, you know, <laughs> you got to yeah. get out and just, you know, be outside. And so by doing my own thing, that's created the space and allowed me to have this space to create Camp MoGraph. Now, my other partners in it are Matt Milstead and Dave Koss, who both run MoGraph.com. And they have their business going on. They also do, you know, client work and all that. But they also have a great community resource in MoGraph.com with training and tutorials. And, you know, they've been doing a podcast. I think they're approaching 400 episodes now. So, like, every Monday they've been doing it for years. And it's uh, it's a honestly, it's a great archive of our industry. And if you were to go back five years and listen to some of those episodes, it would probably sound really funny about the stuff we were talking about then, you know? That's wild. So yeah, you know, I think part of the reason why we were able to kind of get together and make this Camp MoGraph thing happen, I've actually been thinking about how this has really come to be. And I I think a lot of it is rooted in kind of the DIY culture. Like, Growing up skateboarding and snowboarding, it was like, well, you just keep trying, you fall, you fall, you figure it out. Oh, I don't know how to make a snowboard video. Well, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. We're going to film each other. We're going to do it. And, you know, and I think there's a similar mindset as artists in this creative field, especially with rapid changing technology. You always have to be learning and trying and, you know, just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. So I think that same kind of drive in that same mindset is both in myself and Matt and Dave to really take something that no one's done. We don't know how to do it, but we can try to figure it out. And I think it's worth the time and effort it's going to take to make it happen. And so far, so good. And that has proven to be true. So, you know, on one hand, it, it is like an absolute 
mind blowing accomplishment that we've made it this far. But now it's kind of like, oh shit. Now it's it's like own business thing. <laughs> so, you know, and honestly, I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't want to start something for our community as a business because there's a lot of people that do tutorials or have Patreons or make plugins and contribute to the community in that way. And I'm not I'm not that type of artist. But I can I love being a connector and I love thinking outside the box and using some of my experience from growing up in Vermont and going to see fish and bread and puppet and like all these kind of counterculture acts and things and bringing that into our world in a cool way that brings like-minded people together, you know? And then from there, it's kind of like a launching pad because if you already know you're together with all these artists that have a commonality of motion graphics, liking the outdoors, wanting to learn and just network with people, I mean, you're off to the races, you know, as soon as you get on that shuttle bus. Well, I'm, I mean, you just, you know, you kind of mentioned the word business there, which is such a great thread because after all, this is the Rev Thinking podcast. It's mm -hmm. not just like the fun and the creative. It's like, yeah, this is actually a business. Maybe though, to give listeners, everyone some context, mm -hmm. can we do maybe just like a bit of what I would call by the numbers? Yeah. Okay. So first camp 2018, You've done one each year. I'm sure there was some disruption yes. by COVID, right? But how have the, just maybe go through a list of the locations. And I'd be curious just to know, like, has the size of the attendance changed over the years? Yeah, yeah. So year one was here in Vermont. We had about 65 artists from around the world buy tickets and come. First of all, we were like, holy crap, I can't believe people are coming from out of the US to come to this thing. And let me put this in perspective too. The Fire Festival had just happened. I don't know if you remember that, where people taking pictures of the like infamous. The, the infamous Fire Festival. And when we announced our event and posted pictures of the camp, and yeah, it was rustic, nostalgic, people start light, started lighting us up as like, Oh, the fire festival of motion graphics. Here we go. And so like, oh man, talk about the pressure. I knew it wasn't going to be that, but oh, not the, not the, you know, welcome message we wanted <laughs> when we announced right. this first event. But hey, we had 65 artists from all around the world come to the, the middle of nowhere, Vermont. And then the next year after having like such a great first year, the next year we decided to go to Portland, Oregon, because part of the mindset here too of, of running this camp was taking a page out of some of the sporting events that kind of travel around the country to, you know, let's call it golf. They travel to certain golf courses where they know the infrastructure's there. They can handle the size of the crowd and all the technology that goes along with that. But the next thing was like, oh, well, let's go to the West Coast. Let's go to Portland. So we had it all lined up and then wham, COVID. So this thing like started revving up. People were so excited and then the world shut down and we were kind of had that oh shit moment and like, okay, like does this just take all the wind out of our sails now or what? Well, unbeknownst to us, well, I should say we delayed it a year and then unbeknownst to us, all the other conferences in 2021 were canceled because of COVID and the fear and all that. So 
they canceled NAB, I think, or a, a lot of people pulled out of NAB and there was all these things happening. So a lot of the conferences had gotten canceled, but we felt very comfortable because for the most part, our entire event is outside. Hmm. You know, there's certain moments where we get together in buildings, but for that camp specifically, you know, we had COVID protocols and we did whatever we could to mitigate any sort of risk. And that camp sold out in like 45 seconds. We were like, oh, oh no, like, wait, you can't buy a ticket. What's going on? And then like a minute later, our inboxes was like, like uh, confirmations of ticket purchases. Sold out. And we were like, holy cow. And so the next year, same thing happened. And that was in Virginia. And then next, the following year, which was this past year, same thing happened again. We opened it up to a few more tickets, uh, but every year we've been slowly growing by about 20 campers. So year one was about uh, 65. Year two was just shy of 100. Year three was about 140-ish. And then this past year, we were up to 180. And I know that's more than 20, but when numbers start, you know, people drop out last minute due to certain things that pop up or whatnot. So we've added about 20-ish people per year. And it's been so amazing to see the reception from the industry and to see how many people want to go, you know, and I think we could open it up to like very large number of people. But the tough thing with that would be it loses its very like small, very like intimate vibe if we go much yeah. bigger. And, and I'll be honest, I think this past year with 180 might have been just a little too much. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you if you're going to put more than 200 people in a room to listen to, you know, a speaker, a panel or something, you're probably going to put them on a stage. Yeah. Right? You know, like there's certain physical challenges that just come with, well, now we're creating that us and them dynamic that you talked about earlier. I mean, it was a big it was a big decision actually when we decided to use a mic for fireside chats rather than just projecting with your voice. Oh, that's funny. And that was like, you know, because I think a, a mic, it does make it easier for people to hear, but you end up going into like presentation mode a little bit, you know? Interesting. So um, also give people maybe a sense of, um, I don't know, just some of the interesting names and personalities that have gotten involved with Camp MoGraph that have been speakers or presenters or uh, guests or what have you, because, you know, I don't know, I'm just going to sort of invite you to name drop a bit because yeah. there's some really cool people that have plugged into this this experience yeah and that has been kind of the most exciting thing for us is like working with these artists and other creatives and having them come to camp and see how much they enjoy it but you know through the years we've had uh, like i said earlier aaron sorofsky and ryan summers and barton damer We've had uh, like Caitlin Kaju has taught a few workshops. We've had EJ Hassenfratz from, uh, he does a lot of stuff with School of Motion, has taught a few. We've had Hazel Baird. She was a fireside chat out in Portland. We had Beeple out in Portland as well. And that was right after the whole NFT thing kind of went bonkers. And he was on like media tour and came to camp and got to like chill out in nature for three days. And I remember him saying how much at that point he, he needed that. We also have had Austin Shaw. We've had Amanda Russell from Cream Studios. And she has just been on her own rocket ship uh, as of late. Like it's been so great to see her 
getting like out and about and like really sharing her story and also, you know, just cream story and all that. So it's been great seeing her find success with that. We've had John Lepore and we've even had Freddie Wong, who uh, is like a, a big YouTube name. Amazing guy as well. And then this past year, we went a little bit outside of just motion graphics just to try to pull in some more creative spark, you know. And this year we had David Levine, who is the creative director over at the NASA JPL, which is their jet propulsion laboratory. We had Elise Kelly, who does some phenomenal cause-based work out of the DC area. She also has done some incredible stuff with documentaries, and I'm sure you're familiar with her work. And then finally, we had Aaron Draplin, who's a graphic designer who, you know, I know through some of my circles personally, but it was great to bring him as like this big kind of behemoth graphic designer to the motion world where he doesn't know a whole lot of motion graphics stuff, nor did a lot of motion graphics artists at camp know who Draplin was, which kind of blew my mind, but made me so excited because if you've ever seen him give a talk or like he's so engaging, so, so funny and honestly so humble. And what he does with all of his little trinkets and his kind of like candor with everything is something that I've always looked up to and have wanted to bring to camp as like kind of the vibe. Because, you know, one thing he's said in the past that has stayed with me for years is that whenever you have a bad day or you're like hating this revision or this feedback or starting this project, remembering that you're sitting inside at a computer clicking your finger with, you know, clicking a mouse with your finger. You're not on the roof banging nails in 100 degree heat or you're not out shoveling snow in 20 below. And so just keeping that frame of reference in my mind, like through everything I do, but especially camp is like, we're just so lucky to be able to do what we do. And in a way, camp is almost there to help celebrate that. So Draplin was such a treat because I loved that idea of bringing in a creative that is adjacent to our industry, right? Mm -hmm. But not in the center of it. And I'm sitting here like holding back my, <laughs> my chuckles because his talk was so incredibly candid. And like you said, humble, but I laughed harder <laughs> than I've laughed in a long time. Yeah. Just uh, ask my buddy Mitch, because I think I was in tears during that talk, which was super refreshing. But to your point about the vibe at camp, you know, Aaron wheeled up to camp in his van and pulled up in front of the main lodge where everyone was hanging out and whatever, playing cornhole and having drinks. Mm -hmm. And was like, what's up, guys? And we just had a whole conversation right there next to his van and mm -hmm. sort of chewing the fat, as they say. <laughs> and then you mentioned Elise, who is somebody I knew about. But once I saw her speak and kind of saw what her vibe was about, I was able to just walk up to her and say, hi, and introduce myself and say, I'd love to have you join our community. She said, that sounds great. You know, and that's just that that dynamic that you talked about of these are not people up on stages that are. Uh, not approachable. They're just walking around and just coming into everyday existence mm -hmm. with the rest of us. And it's very refreshing. I think what's really cool about camp is the campers get to meet each other as Joel and Mark and not, oh, what's your Instagram hand? Oh, oh, you're Joel, you're Rev thing. Oh, uh, you know, like it's just 
it's human connection and human interaction. And again, by bringing all these people with common interests together, the conversation can start with like, oh, do you have kids? You know, it's not like, oh, what do you do? You know, so like a lot of the conversations, yeah, start a little bit deeper. I'm thinking of um, when in Virginia, it was on the Chesapeake Bay, right? And every night, like around a campfire, I'm hanging out with folks. And, you know, people are in shorts. They're just got their baseball cap on. They're wearing sweats, whatever. Very different than, say, a conference in New York. Yes. It's, again, it's it's, it's still human connection in both cases. But I'll just say there was definitely something much more just simple and, and human about the way you guys do it at Camp MoGraph. All right, so I guess as I, here's where I'm kind of curious to, to pick your brain mm-hmm. because Camp MoGraph is, it's a massive undertaking. Like I'm just gonna take a guess that when you look at your year and you're running profanity mm-hmm. and you're doing Monday meeting as well, right? That's a conversation and podcast that you do for a, a, the motion graphics or motion industry. Mm-hmm. You got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And as Camp MoGraph becomes more and more of a concern, I'm guessing it, it used to take up one-tenth of your time. And now, then it took up one-eighth. And now it takes <laughs> one-fifth, right? Am, mm-hmm. am, I, am I guessing right? You are guessing right. Yes. Yes. And at, at what point do you start to ask questions of like, okay, wait a minute. Is this thing we set out to do? And wait a minute. Is this turning into something else? And is that awesome? And do I like that? And is it okay that it's growing and taking up more time and energy? Like, what is that? What is that like for you? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. And it's something that we've been wrestling with, honestly, you know, um, it is a massive undertaking. And, you know, like I um, alluded to earlier, too, it what has started as a personal project has now become a business. And it's amazing. And we're very excited to keep this thing going and growing. But we are somewhat at a crossroads now because it is taking up more and more time. And honestly, some of that is totally self-imposed because each year we want to make it different and cooler. And, you know, if we really wanted to, you know, kind of lower the stakes, if you will, we would just go back to the same camp every year. We know all the logistics. We know they can do the food and yada, yada. Right. Wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. But we like to, I guess, start from scratch every year. (laughs) Yeah. It's something we're wrestling with now because like it is a personal project that this year we will turn a little bit of a profit, but it's very important to us to remain an event that is achievable for the working artist. This past year, we had, you know, you could buy a camping ticket, which included four days. You're camping in your own tent, but that's four days with all your programming, your shuttle to and from the airport, all your food, all your all your libations. And I mean, it's all inclusive. Don't leave. Don't leave that out because that is a serious component. There's a lot of expense there. There's a lot of time and effort put into like the food and bev type stuff. And I want to give. I want to make sure I give Julie Bennett a shout out there because she's really taken it upon herself to, you know, just run point on that, which has been fantastic. And Julie is Dave's partner and she has experience in that. And it's been great to elevate that portion of the event. Can we mention our beloved bartender as well? And yes, Bill, the bartender, another just uh, amazing human who 
comes to camp to help out. I mean, it, you know, without going too far off the rails from your question, like we have so many people that love this event and love this community that people are volunteering left and right to come and be a part of it and help in any way they can. So I just want to say thank you to all of them too, because again, this can't happen with just the four of us. It's a, you know, it's a whole team effort to really bring it home and, and make it work. So I can relate though, right? Because here's what you probably don't know this. So when we were at Chesapeake Bay and I spoke, my, th my session was the business of MoGraph, I think, mm -hmm. right? Super fun, right? And I did five of those workshops, mm -hmm. then come back to Colorado. By the time we were done in Colorado, I was going up to Bill and saying, dude, I low-key want your job. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I love bartending, right? Like, will you teach me, Obi-Wan? Yeah. So we had a good laugh about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's that there's that vibe of like, man, this is so cool. I want to be involved. How do I contribute? Yeah. But you, so, so back, back to though this thing of it's a personal project that's turning into a yeah. business. Yeah. Right? Like to anyone out there that's thinking, yeah, that would be cool. I would love to start a user group or a conference or whatever, right? They're probably at this point in the podcast saying, ooh, okay, that's, that's a whole deal. Mm -hmm. I'm also going to say as someone who benefits from, you know, what you guys are doing and as a business owner myself and so forth, I've often thought, why doesn't it cost way more? Like charge me double. Mm -hmm. I will pay. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So when you look at running this thing and all the demands it puts on you, are you even entertaining the idea of, hey, maybe this is, maybe this becomes the main gig. This is my main business. And then my motion design work becomes my side hustle. Yeah. Is there a possibility of that in the future? Quite honestly, I think so. With the ticket prices, yes, I think we could charge more. I've heard a lot of people say like, we're giving such a phenomenal deal. If it sells out that quick, we should almost raise ticket prices to a, a number where it, it almost takes people, a, you know, a little bit of a pause before they hit the buy button. But here's the thing. We're starting to find camps, which is our, you know, that's a, that could be a podcast in itself that has essentially tiered lodging, right? So like, if you want to come and pitch a tent and go cheap, you know, like the cheapest way you can, we want to offer that. If you want to spend a bit more and have your own private cabin with your own bathroom and all that, then we can offer that too. So finding camps that offer that range of lodging is one way we've been able to, you know, essentially recoup a, a little bit of cost. But I also do want to say and give a massive shout out to all the sponsors that help us with this. And every year, both Otoy and Maxon have been a part of this. Had to give that double thumbs up yeah. fireworks display <laughs> to those sponsors. <laughs> and uh, Grayscale Gorilla, too. Like, they've been with us since the beginning. And they, the money they contribute to camp does not go into our pockets. It shaves ticket prices. It shaves dollars off that ticket price. So without their support, yeah, those tickets would probably be double. You know? So looking forward... It's like, yeah, we could start selling bigger sponsorships or start approaching bigger companies maybe. And, and now we're doing like a handful of events each year. But I'm also very conscious of like, if we do go that direction, how would that change our event? Or we would have more deliverables. We would have 
other things kind of taking our focus away from what camp actually is. So there's a fine juggling act there of finding a good, some good partners. And, you know, our current sponsors that have supported us ever since now have been absolutely great. And we've had more, actually, let me say this too. We've had more studios wanting to get involved than big brands and companies, which has been so great because those are the, the artists working in our industry. Those are the people we want to have at camp too. So like this past year spilt from the Denver area, they're a great studio. And, and Ed was like, no problem. Like I, we'd love to support what you're doing and you're here in our backyard. Let's be a studio sponsor. So that was amazing. And I think, you know, if, if we ever wanted to grow this thing to a point where like maybe someone's working on it full time or more than one person's working on it full time, we would need to approach some bigger sponsors or investors or what. And I just don't know if that's what we want. It's honestly a conversation we've been talking about needing to have of like, what is our three to five year plan? Like, is it going to stay this personal project? Are we going to keep trying to grow it? And, you know, because every year it gets a little bit more complicated, complicated within just like logistics and do, wanting to do more. Right. Well, maybe this is a good moment for me to toss you this softball. What decision that you guys made was just announced in terms of, oh, is this just going to be once a year or? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if one wasn't too much already on the workload, we decided to add another camp this year. So we're going to do two camps this year, which is really exciting. It's really kind of like, oh shit, but it's really exciting. And we're doing it in Australia. We're going to be doing it in Brisbane. So not only are we doing another event, we just decided to do it on the other side of the world because why not? Right. So we're really excited. Just make it a lot more complicated. Yeah. Mark. Just, oh man. Just, just go right there. I mean, there. time zones and just everything. It's just... Anyway, I, I want to give a shout out, though, to both Shell and Steph, who are our partners over there, who are our boots on the ground and have helped us find the camp and are very uh, connected locally down there. And we could not do this without them. So big ups to them. But yeah, we're excited. And I mean, right now, NodeFest is going on and which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. But from what I can yep. tell, that's, you know, one of the only kind of big time motion events down in the Australia area. So by hosting a camp down there, we're hoping to keep that motion, you know, event vibe going down there. And ours is going to be in June. So it is going to be kind of like towards their fall winter time which is about six months different than what notice. So like, you know, we didn't want to do anything yeah. down there that would step on their toes or anything. We, if anything, we want to like foster more of their community too. And like, you know, tap into their community and then have them tap into ours and, you know, work on this all together. So yeah, we're really excited about that. And we've just kind of announced it and more information will be coming out very soon about it. But we've already got workshops lining up and fireside chats lining up. And it, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be a fun one for sure. And we're looking forward to bringing it to a whole new group of people. I'm sure there'll be some US people that want to go too. And with that being said, we will be doing a US one, you know, as well back in the Northern Hemisphere fall. So if you can't get to Australia, you're not going to miss out uh, here in the US. Well, it was fun in Colorado. Shell, we're kind of teed up because my colleague, Matt, who's, you know, RevThink's presence down in, in Sydney, 
teed her up and said, you got to find Joel when you're at camp. And literally, as I drove up with my buddy Mitch, I got out of the car, I, this, this gal approaches me and says, Joel? And, oh, hi, Shell. And she immediately sort of took me aside and said, okay, it's, I don't know if you've heard. I'm like, yeah, I heard some rumors. <laughs> but she started just sort of picking my brain, which was lovely. I was happy, of course, to give her any and all thoughts. But I got really excited when I was like, oh, in Brisbane. And like right near the coast and all that. So I was immediately like, okay, how can, how can I arrange my schedule <laughs> yeah. to get down there for that um, event? So it's, it's really cool. But yeah, it does. It must be a bit nuts um, in terms yeah. of a business. Yes. I'm like just immediately wondering, like, is there an Australian entity that is running all of that? Or are you running that through the U.S. entity? Because I don't know. I'm just thinking like banking and, mm -hmm. and agreements and right when you sign things you're signing on behalf of like that that just sounds like logistically a lot yes it is it is yeah it's a combination of of our core team along with uh shell and steph kind of managing it all but yeah there's gonna be different kind of business practices due to that and i mean it, heck we've even started talking about our on-sale date for tickets and we don't like we've put a date out there but then thinking in my head i'm like wait are we going to announce it for like that date in Australia or is it going to be here in the US, the date we're thinking of, you know? So it's like, because if we put tickets on sale, I might have to be up till three in the morning dealing with tickets going on sale and all. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. you know, with the time change and all that. So yeah, there's some logistic stuff, obviously still that we were like nailing down, but honestly, we would not be able to do it without having boots on the ground over there. Yeah, very cool that Shell and, and I forget, who's the other organizer? What's Steph. Steph, okay. Yeah. Um, it's funny, I could just tell they were low-key giddy to be spearheading that and pulling it off. So, wow, a grand experiment. And, and the reason why we're doing it down there, too, is because Shell's come to camp the last two years, and she's like, our community down here needs this. And so we listened, and we're like, all right, well, let's. Let's try it. Let's do it, you know? And it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be as big and blown out as like the US one. It's going to be a day shorter. You know, we're going to try to walk before we run down there. Um, but uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. So day shorter means what? The, the US version is what versus that, that one? So the US version goes from Thursday until Monday. And that actually happened due to camper feedback was that everyone wanted just a day to hang out and have nothing on the schedule. So that Sunday at camp, uh, at the US camp, is just a chill day where you get to do activities, sleep in, hang out, get to nerd out with your new friends. Um, we've added that day, but for Australia, it will just be a Thursday through Sunday. Got it. And people are gonna get on flights and uh, yes. so forth on, on Sunday and <laughs> head home and do their best to deal with the jet lag. And Joel, one thing, and maybe, due to like editing or whatever, you can throw this back with like the business side of it. But one thing that I think is a little bit different than our event from what I know do with other events is that we pay all of our presenters and workshop people. Like we have them come out, we pay for their flights and all that, just like most conferences will. But even like anyone who's teaching, we try to contribute some money to them because most of these people are working artists as well. So like we know they're taking away day rates or whatever to come to camp. So we 
feel like we want to provide a little bit of money for them for coming and the dedication they're putting into their workshop and in the time and effort and all that. And I know that sets us up a little bit different than some other conferences that, you know, I say that because I want people to know that we value their time and their expertise. And it's not just something we are doing to essentially make our event better. Because you know what? We probably could turn a better profit if we didn't pay anyone and we just paid their travel expenses. Sure. But that's not really part of our MO. So it's something that like we're willing to give up that profit to say thank you. Well, it's appreciated from speakers like myself because for anyone that's out there speaking at events somewhat regularly, yeah, there's generally a, well, no, we're not paying you because, you know, you are being given this amazing opportunity, right? It's kind of the same thing like when a brand approaches you at Profanity and says, right, we're going to give you the honor of animating our new product and your name will be on it and you can put this on your portfolio. And you're like, uh, yeah. No, thank you. So anyways, that's just, that's <laughs> yeah. very cool of you guys. It sh- says something about your exposure, your ethics <laughs> and values. So I, man, I'm, it's really exciting to kind of get the story and, uh, you know, behind the scenes, a peek of like, what is it like? What is this thing? Who are the people behind it? And most importantly, like what a undertaking it is. So, I mean, I'll just say this on behalf of my people, right? My side of the industry, especially the studios, I'm really grateful that you guys are doing this. Selfishly, I, of course, hope it continues to grow and evolve and maybe turn into a, right, a full-time business for you guys. But that's your journey. I'm just saying, you know, you do you, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep going. And I say that because... And I think this is something maybe we all experience as creatives is that it's hard sometimes to celebrate your wins, right? It's like this year we had a great camp. Three days later, we start planning the next one. And it's like head down. All right, cool. That was great. All right. All right. So Australia, now what? And it, it's really hard to like just sit there and really appreciate everything that we've accomplished because, I mean, part of it is that we are excited to start planning the next one. But I think, you know, even outside of camp, even in my own client work, like if we finish a massive project, it's like, all right, next one starts. It's really hard to like enjoy the win and enjoy the accomplishment of pulling it off. You know, and that's something I think I've just wrestled with year after year. And um, I say that, too, because I appreciate you saying that you really enjoy coming. And, you know, the more I talk to people and try to, you know, get personal feedback on the event and personal advice on the event of how we could be better. It gives me the motivation and kind of the gas in my tank to keep it going, because it's hard to do it in my little neck of the woods here, you know, and without being a part of this community all the time. Like if I could live in a Camp MoGraph like vibe forever, like, holy cow, that would be amazing. But with all of us working like remotely and kind of isolated and stuff like that, it's sometimes harder to keep it, the motivation going. But hearing the success and hearing the stories and the the moments 
you all get to share, those are the fuel for us to keep going. And yeah, I just appreciate you saying that because sometimes it is tough or self-doubting of like, is this thing still worth doing? You know, uh, so sure. anyway, I appreciate it. Well, you're most welcome. What I just heard you saying there was maybe in the future, Mark is going to buy a camp and live there year round and campers just <laughs> come and go, right? You have like a new batch of people coming in this week and you yeah. just get to live that life perpetually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, I've seen, there are some things out there that are, are kind of like that. That's um, interesting. But we'll, we'll see. Talk about, talk about an investment. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm excited to see where this thing goes. And like I said and uh, mentioned earlier, we can always do better. I, you know, one thing that's always been important to us too is trying to be as equitable as possible. Where it's always a conscious decision to have 50-50 male versus female, at least in programming and the things we can offer. And we are trying to be better with diversity and inclusion and getting. It's about getting the entire community together not just a section of it. And if we can get all of us together and we can do our part in playing the role of bringing as many people from our end into the fold as we can, then I think that's where the important kind of changing conversations can happen. So again, when I look forward as a roadmap, I hope this thing keeps going. I hope we can be more of that safe space, open, inclusive, area or event that people feel excited to come to excited to talk with people about maybe hard conversations and and what can we do together to like move everyone forward because that's really what this thing's about and if we can have a good time while we're doing it all the better all the better indeed well dude that was a great way to put a bow on it so thank you for that thank you for doing camp Mograph, and thanks to you know matt and the and uh Dave and the rest of the team, everyone who puts this thing together. So I'll either be seeing you in Brisbane or at uh, the next US one. And man, continuing to be, just be a fan and let me and, and the community know how we can continue to support you guys. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're behind you. Awesome. I appreciate that. And we appreciate that, I should say. Thanks for listening. Producing this podcast is a labor of love involving time, energy, money. So if you like it, please leave us feedback and tell others about it. For more about me, just Google Joel Pilger. To learn more about RevThink or take part in what we're doing, visit RevThink.com. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com slash community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.